This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. I use this metaphor because I just think it makes so much sense, but we are really, we're trying to cover the whole sky and manage the weather and control it instead of just giving our kids the raincoat, the hat, the umbrellas, like here's what you can wear when it rains. Here are the tools. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by the lovely Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? I could be singing, I could be, anyways, <laughs> I'll spare y'all, I'll spare y'all the opera. We have such a great guest today, Dr. Aliza Pressman. I was super excited for this interview. She has so much great stuff for you in order to make parenting simple. So you're not going to get a bunch of like random strategies that you're going to have a hard time memorizing in this episode. Like she breaks it down for us, Brie. Yeah. Yeah. We, we focus in and we, we zero in on her five principles. And honestly, it was so refreshing because it starts with the easiest thing that you have 100% control over to ending on the aspect of what do we do when we need to fix things? Because we all have to fix things and have, what do I do when it goes wrong? I love the fact that we were able to wrap it up that way. <laughs> really enjoy this conversation with Dr. Aliza Pressman. She is a developmental psychologist with nearly two decades of experience working with families and the healthcare providers who care for them. She's the host of the award-winning podcast, Raising Good Humans, and now she adds author to her list of accomplishments with her new book, Available today, it's release day, it's pub day, The Five Principles of Parenting, Your Essential Guide to Raising Good Humans, and uh, let's get on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. 
Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Aliza. I'm so excited to have you here and so excited to talk about parenting and child behavior. And one of the big things, I'm just going to like start off with it from your book that really connected with me is that all feelings are tolerated, but all behavior is not. Can you go a little bit into that? Yes, sure. All feelings are welcome. All behaviors are not. Actually, I posted that on Instagram like, I don't, I want to say like 10 years ago. And then, and I was just like, I don't know. It was just one of those moments where I was like, why, why, how do we boil this down? It was because I was at, when I was at Mount Sinai, a lot of times the physicians need very quick things that they can say to families to boil down what needs to happen. And for discipline, that's it. I mean, yes, please buy my book, but also if you don't have time to read this section on discipline, you could just tell yourself that, which is all feelings are welcome. All behaviors are not. And if you ask yourself, like, did I honor this child's feeling? You know, was I like, I see how you're feeling. I accept it. I'm not saying you can't have those feelings. And then did I express what behaviors I expect and what are not acceptable? Well, like here at No Guilt Mom, we talk a lot about honoring kids' feelings and the pushback that comes is like, well, what if your kids are like throwing things at everybody? And it's like, well, there's a difference. It's not the same thing. It's a behavior. I love it also because- That's not a feeling. Yeah. I, I took that actually and used it exactly the same day I read it because one of my kids was saying some pretty uh, rough things to me. She's 15. And I- when I went back at her, she's like, mom, I thought you said we could have all of our feelings. And it just popped out of my mouth. Like your feelings are welcome, but this behavior is not. So it's so handy to say so handy. So I thank you for that. In your book, you have these five simple parenting principles that uh, you say can actually move the needle on child development. Can you explain those for us? So I really wanted to, I just, I mean, the name of your podcast is No Guilt Mom, but I really feel like the the guilt, the noise, the pressure is so intense. And I wanted to just be honest with everybody. Like there's a lot of stuff that we spend a lot of time doing that is not moving any needles and doesn't really matter and isn't even rooted in science. Or there's stuff that is rooted in science, but doesn't apply to you or is like way too minutia. And it's interesting. Like when I studied um, developmental science, when I was in graduate school, like each of us had to pick some like tiny little thing to really dive deep into and, and get passionate about in the work. And it's important in academia to make you know, to understand the big picture. And sometimes it's important for a specific population of people or kids or families, but it's usually not every single bit of the science is relevant for every single person and we have to follow all of it. So I wanted to ask like what actually moves the needle for resilience and what 
really, really matters. And importantly is in our full control. Cause I don't think it's very fun to find out things that you can't do anything about. And so I chose these five core principles. They are not mine. I made them ours because it is easy to remember relationship, reflection, regulation, rules, and repair. And this is the science of child development. It's not like the Dr. Aliza method. I'm just delivering it. So it's, I don't think of it as revolutionary. I think of this field as quite methodical and thoughtful and, you know, slow growing so that we learn from decades of research. And I know that's not sexy, but. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, it is kind of in a way because you like me, you love a good acronym and you put these into like really great little packages that are very easy to remember. Like anyone can be like, oh yeah, okay, let's take this really big like amount of psychological research and how do I condense it down? And what you've done in your book is you condense it down in those five R's. And so let's like briefly for people go over those five R's and kind of like check them off Sure. parenting. So what's the first R? The first R is relationship. And you could, there are many other words that I could have chosen, but they did not start with R. So just to give people a sense, you might hear attachment. You might hear, but attachment's really just attachment relationship, secure attachment, having an attachment. It's all relationship. You might hear connection. That's about relationship. You might hear attunement. That's about relationship. So there are lots of, you might hear sensitive caregiving. That's about relationship. So it's all how you connect with and are in relation with your child. And that we know from the science can be, it's so powerful. In fact, relationship with your child is the most powerful influence, environmental influence, I should specify, on your child's resilience. That's it, full stop. So we know that that, if if there's, I think that's scary for the first minute you hear it, because it's like, wait, the most powerful environmental influence on my child's development is my relationship with them? Like what? But actually, I think that's so great and heartening and relieving because we have we have control over ourselves. Like, oh, well, I can show up more often than not. Not all the time, but I can do more often than not. I can get a C. Game on. And you actually are doing a service to your kids because perfect is the enemy of perfect in this case. Like a perfect parent would have many flaws to model flaws and that you can come back from them. So I think relationship is one of those things where if we understood truly the science, and I, I did the first half of the book is like really deeply understanding the science, not so far that you need the minutia, but enough to, to, have buy-in and stories and understanding. But then the second half is all the practical application in real settings. But the truth is, once you get the gist, not rocket science. And I think the important part is what you had mentioned is that it's within our control. There's so many things we cannot, right? Like we cannot control what our kids do, how... Yeah, but we can control how we show up and what we choose to do. So I love that. Yeah, and with the relationship thing about like being like the world's, as I said, the world's most okayest mom is 
like I was reading the book Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski, and they were talking about the relationship you have with your partner. And it was like a very bare minimum kind of thing. And I would think that this also applies to kids where it's like, do you have positive feelings to your partner? Do you feel like you and your partner do like stuff together from time to time? And that was like it. That was all that was needed. And so you're saying that basically the parent-child relationship is the same. That's exactly right. And it's like one of those things where, yes, you could purchase 700 courses and like do all sorts of things, but we all know how to be in relationship. It just takes attending and attuning and you can be in relationship with anybody and share joy like the stuff that we're doing anyway, but sometimes we get so bogged down in the day-to-day and the scheduling and, you know, it's like you, you're doing all of that in the service of the relationship and like the growing of the human. But actually, if you just got rid of all of that and had the relationship, it would be more effective than any class you could ever take. Yeah. You don't have to do all the things. Well, I love, I love the first R relationship and we are going to get into the next four R's right after this break. Hey all, it is Joanne and Brie here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe. And it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. 
Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. So we were talking about the first R, relationships. What's the next R that parents need to be aware of? The next R is reflection. And I think reflection is one of those things that really does, like relationships, pretty darn obvious, I hope at this point, but reflection is less so. It's super important. One of the things that is one of the biggest predictors of a securely attached relationship is reflecting on the experience you had being parented and what your hopes and dreams are in parenting, what you would take from it, what your triggers are, what you're, you know, hoping to replicate. And so it's a really intentional way of coming into the relationship and the parenting. And reflection is also, it to me, and I'm very much a mindfulness person, but like in the science-y way, because I thought, you know, it it's it's hard to pitch mindfulness when you're exhausted and you're you have no time and it's like I'll save that for when the kids go to college. But what I would say is that reflection gives you a little bit of room to pay attention to what's going on for you and what's going on for your child so that you have the freedom to make the 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 next step the decision and that which really goes into regulation because if you don't take a pause and reflection is just that pause you can't regulate and you can't make an intentional choice about your parenting or how you're responding or how you're moving through the world and when we make an intentional choice that to me is like oh my god I, even if you're going to yell at least you did it because you wanted to yell and not because you were like, I lost control. So reflection and regulation are kind of, they go hand in hand because you need reflection in order to regulate. And you need to, you need to be able to have that understanding of yourself so that you can make the decisions. Like if you're, if you were always, yelled at as a child when you were, you know, messy, then you might like really get set off when your child is messy. And it's not even like, it doesn't even go with what makes sense to you. It's like, why am I so, who cares? Like, why am I freaking out? Oh, wait a second. Or if you're not on time or something, and I'm not saying that then you should be like, well, I'm not going to, you know, I don't care about any of that now, but at least you just pay attention. You're like, oh, I get really angry at the thought of being late. It like brings back lots of worries. And so what I'm going to do is set my day up in a way that makes it so I don't, I don't have a risk of my child making me late because we just put fewer things in the day so we can get them done. It's just like you pay attention and you have more capacity. Oh, yeah. It is so funny when you say the being late thing, because I just realized something that happened in my childhood, which is why like the being late is such a pet peeve to me. And Brie can attest to this as well. 
tell that it's a pet that it's a pet peeve to me. So like my whenever we were trying to leave the house, my mom would get very very agitated, not at me, at my dad, because she likes to be on time. And my dad is like when you when it's time to go, that's the time you go and you use the bathroom and you like you like shut down everything. And ever, and so much so that when we went to go meet people as a family, we were saying, oh, yeah, we'll be late the Madden hour because that was our last name. Like, we'll be the Madden hour. And this is something that I saw every all the time growing up. And so, like, now in my own life, I'm like, what time is it? Okay, it's this time. And I've learned to let go because of reflection and because of all of that. But what you said is so, so true. Your past really doesn't have – it has an effect on you. I'm just trying to think with regulation, I want to say it's not just our regulation, it is our kids' regulation, but in the sense that we co-regulate with them, they borrow our nervous system, and that is something that as a practice becomes their own self-regulation when they get older. And that's why I put so many self-regulation exercises in the book, because I feel like it's that's that one does require some like steps. It just does. It's just like, you need a little bit of guidance there, but then you know that it's like so deeply predictive of resilience and capacity and, you know, relationships and school and all sorts of things. So it's, it's like a lot of bang for your buck and then rules. So I, I, I included rules because especially today, there's like a real fear that relationships are undermined by rules. So we like are super attuned and sensitive to our kids, but then we're like, how can I be super attuned and sensitive to my child if I'm not, if I'm like giving them rules that they don't want to hear and they're upset about them. And so one of the things that I felt like was important was to name that rules are safety, that having boundaries are, are our relational rules, kind of like what, what is between us and others, and we're in charge of them. And then there are the limits that we set for the expectations that we have. And kids want that and they need that. And it's really critical that they understand that we can handle their pushback from the rules because we're not afraid of their feelings because we love them and we know the feelings are part of the deal. And so rules are really important. And I think a lot of people are like, well, I can't that my child won't let me do that because they get too upset or whatever. And that's when we have to ask ourselves. And then you go back to reflection. Why is it so hard for me to look at that child of mine and not feel like they're going to be okay just because they're having an uncomfortable feeling? Right. And life is full of that. Life is full of uncomfortable feelings. If we keep avoiding all of it, then we never learn how to deal with it. And oh, I don't know. We have anxiety. <laughs> and then right, like, I don't, you know, it's, it's sort of like, I think in this, the, the era that we're in, we're really, and I, I use this metaphor because I just think it makes so much sense, but we are really, we're trying to cover the whole sky and manage the weather and control it instead of just giving our kids the raincoat hat, the umbrellas, like, here's what you can wear when it rains. Here are the tools. And instead we're like, oh my God, I have to cover the sky. Well, of course you're not going to be able to do that. And it, it doesn't, if you think of it that way, then you realize like these rules are helping you navigate the world so that you don't need to have somebody around 
managing the weather for you. Like you're going to know that it's survivable. Yeah. And I, I love that analogy about covering the whole sky because also like with rules, a lot of us growing up, I know that this is really common when I talk to our balance members about it, is that they weren't allowed to say no growing up. They weren't allowed to really express their difficult feelings. And so now when they're doing this practice and when they're trying to set boundaries and when they're trying to set rules, they find it very difficult because it was never modeled for them how to do it. And I find that that is something that I see a lot too in my own parenting. Like I, it was never modeled for me to be like, Hey, I don't want to do this right now. And I'm not going to not going to do it. Like really what I saw was like, oh, okay, you want to go to the park? Okay, let's go to the park. And that's kind of like this idea of what it takes to be a good mom. You want to like be engaged with your kids. You want to like do the things that interest them. You want to like, you know, you want them to be engaged with you. But what we don't talk about enough, I think, and what you say in rules is that you also need to set your own personal boundaries so that you're showing up in a way where you could be regulating your own behavior. You won't be a grumpy, resentful mess, which is what I tend to be when I don't regulate and when I don't set rules. Um, All of us tend to be. (laughs) (laughs) All of us. And you're also showing them that they're allowed to set their own rules, which I think is really powerful. Absolutely. Like... That is, how many of us learned boundaries later in life? Oh yeah, me. Yeah. Like <laughs> in in my first dose of therapy, that's when I learned boundaries, and I think it's such a gift to give to kids us using boundaries as parents, and them being able to see it. And we're gonna get into your fifth R right after this. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So we have talked about 
the four R's of your five about relationships, about regulation, about rules. And I knew I was going to forget one. What's the one I'm forgetting, Aliza? Repair. 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 I love that one. It all better. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, repair, the science of repair is pretty critical to developmental research. It's been around for decades, but it's the most relieving because what we've learned about repair is that not only is it possible and important to repair when there are ruptures and discord, when there's discord, but actually it strengthens relationships. And we're not talking about discord that's like abusive. We're talking about the normal wear and tear and the the normal disconnects. And when we learn over and over in our wiring that discord is natural, that dis, you know, having disconnects and having mistakes and missteps are natural and that we can come back from them and grow and the relationship is still intact. It strengthens us so much and it strengthens our relationships. And so just like when you work out and you, you know, you want to have tiny little ruptures in your muscle in order for your muscle to repair and get stronger. This is what our relationships need, which is very convenient because as parents, we screw up all the time. <laughs> and so this is, and we can look at it as like, oh, good. I, I, I checked the box on building that muscle. Yeah. And it's so, it's so interesting because I was thinking about repair as well. And there are things like that our kids do, especially as they're growing up, where I feel as a parent, it's useful for me to tell them exactly what makes me upset if the behavior keeps repeating. And it's such a very uncomfortable thing for me to do. So for instance, like, I mean, my daughter's 15. Growing up, she's able to have these conversations with me. We had a situation with a dinner with friends and I get very nervous in social situations. I want to make everyone happy. And so she was there to my side. We were talking with friends across the table and I was trying to involve her in the conversation. Like I would hear things in the conversation from my friend and then I'd be like, yeah, like you did that too. And like, well, after the dinner, she she told me, you know, how she was uncomfortable in it. And she's like, Mom, you're talking like you're making a presentation on me. And I'm like, okay, check. And I like let like myself absorb it, but I was also really hurt by it, like really hurt because it was, I know teenagers have this really self-centered view of the world. And that's totally normal and in their development. But it's also like trying to build that relationship with her to let her know that, hey, like this is how I felt in it. So the next day I went to her and I'm like, I was really hurt when you said that because, you know, I was feeling anxious in the situation. And I was really trying my best. And she's like, she thinks about it. And we've had tons of these conversations. And she's like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, we're all good. I just needed to let you know that so that we can grow. And so like my point of that is that repairs, like when I have those little moments of discord with her, it's so uncomfortable to talk about in the moment, but then our relationship in the future is so much stronger because I don't feel like I'm like going to step on her toes or anything like that, or she's not going to step on mine. Well, it's a beautiful example and it gives you confidence in the relationship. Yes, because they accept it. And it's teaching them, modeling for them how they can go into relationships in the future and expect that they're not going to be perfect. The, pre the people that they're with are not going to be perfect and that 
oh, how do I say this? Like putting up that, that, that facade that somebody has got it down and that they're always cool and that they never make a mistake is not normal. <laughs> That's just, it's a red flag, red flag here to tiny bit. But I mean, again, it just, it lets you know, like mistakes are normal. People will come up to you. They will say things. You will have a conversation. You'll be able to build on it. And that is what a caring, supportive person is like. If they don't see that, it's it's really hard. And it all comes down really to your five R's. And people can read more about it in your book. So tell us about your book. Five Principles of Parenting out today is I wanted a one-stop shopping for any age at any time, whether it was birth or adolescence, where we could keep leaning into the science and get really good at responding to the typical arise and the the things like everything from sleeping to when you have to explain tragedies to your kids, to discipline, to peers, to, you know, bullying. Like I kind of just was like, what are the things that I get inundated with at all times and what kinds of questions come up? And I just was like, let me make sure they're all in there and that I address them across the ages so that you just have this one sort of reference book and you don't need to read it all at once. It's just kind of like a go-to when you need it. And over time, my hope is that it just becomes so fluent that people don't need it anymore. And it's just like, oh, this is actually, you know, I get it. It's in my it's in my system now. I've done that before. I've read about that. Yeah. I know what to do in this situation. Yeah. Because you really can translate these things from early infancy all the way through our whole lives. I mean, you don't need some, you know, it feels like we need specialized science for each interaction or specialized classes for each interaction that we're going to have or each challenge. But if you really boil it down to what's, what's being said, and I've learned this over the years when I work with parents, and I, I used to be self-conscious about it because I'm like, I know you know the answer to this, but I'm going to be here and we're going to walk through it. But we've done this 75 other times with other scenarios that have felt challenging. And it's not ever going to be a different answer. It's just getting, it's always the same. It's just when can you, how do you get fluent? How do you sort of embody and become fluent in that response so that you don't feel like you need an expert to say anything or so that you don't feel like you don't trust yourself. Because I do think it's completely asinine that we tell parents, particularly mothers, that they should go with their gut, that you're, you know, like you, you're, you're going to know what to do. And I also think it's asinine to be like, you need an expert to tell you the minutia script of every single interaction you're going to have. I think, I think it's sort of a space between of like, of course, it's not all natural. Come on. That's ridiculous. (laughs) It's so hard. You're learning as you go. We become parents the day our kids are born. So we deserve support, but also that support can be much more translatable so that you're not dependent on that support. It's just there as like a little supportive voice. And so it's not chaos of nothing, but it's not the rigidity of like, this is the script. This is the thing. This is the, what you have to do. And I sort of am like that boring middle, middle space. 
<laughs> no, you're a framework. You give a framework that makes it simple and easy to digest. It's like the the basis of all things that people are able to do. Like they need a framework that they could refer to for each situation because the human brain is, it's impossible to memorize all the little scripts and things. So Aliza, where can people find you? People can find me. I mean, I would love for people to buy the book anywhere. I love a local bookshop. Actually, I just learned this. You can go to bookshop.com and choose a local bookshop, but get it online, which I think is a real win-win, you know, it's like that. you just can feel like a little better about it, but you can also go to Amazon <laughs> and yeah, um, <laughs> get the book <laughs> and just make your life easy. Yeah. And I'm on Instagram on at Raising Good Humans podcast, and I am on whatever podcast platforms and always in like the top five parenting podcasts, may I end, add, like, Aliza, you're a big deal in the <laughs> podcast world. <laughs> yes, I have lots of, I do have a lot of episodes, so I try to cover a lot of things. But yeah, I think that's best. I'm also, there's, I'm on the Mount Sinai Parenting Center website. We have a lot of free resources there. What else? I don't know. I think that's awesome. it. You're everywhere. So when we want to, you're like, girl, rock, you'll but most importantly, go buy oh, yes, Dr. Elisa Preston's book. Go buy it. The five principles of parenting, your essential guide to raising good humans. We will have a link for you in the show notes. And Aliza, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. That was lovely. Oh my gosh. I was mentioning during that interview with Dr. Aliza how it went by so fast. Like I was looking down at the clock and I thought it was like, oh, we've, we're like two minutes into our conversation and it was 10 minutes into our conversation. Yes. She was so interesting. And she went into all these parenting tips based on psychology that were so, so helpful. Right. Like I, again, I mentioned it in the intro, like I really love how she just wraps it all. And you talk about it in the interview too, like how she wraps it all into a nice little package of just five little things to remember. It's very, very mm, user-friendly. We'll say that. Yeah. Well, it's the five R's and I want to, let's go over these five R's really quickly. So like relationships, first of all, and it's just the quality of the relationship that you have with your kids. And it doesn't even have to be something amazing. Right. And you know what I love about that being like a co-parent, like kids in, uh, you know, two different households. I love that I can control that because there's a lot of crap I yeah. cannot control, but that I can at least be in charge of how my relationship is with my kids. No, comforting. You're, you're totally right from that respect because I know that a lot of people in co-parenting households, like in our balance community, for instance, they have worries about their kids going over to the co-parent's house because there is no control over it. And just knowing that in your, your kid's development, like the relationship that you have with them one-on-one, -on -one, regardless of the relationship that they have with people, is more important. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's just, yeah, there's so much in life that we can't control, but we can 100% control our relationships. So that is huge. And that is immensely helpful. I also liked how she talked about reflection. That was. Reflection was the second one. That was fantastic. What do you, what was your like things with reflection? What did you get from that? Well, what I loved about it, because I feel like if you don't look back on how you were raised, how your life has affected and shaped you, how your experiences have shaped you, then you have no hope of growing and being able to be like, oh, so that's why I'm that way. 
I could do X, Y, Z. Or perhaps since I felt X, Y, Z when this happened with me as a kid, I could maybe attempt to put, set up a different environment for my kids so they don't feel that negative X, Y, Z I felt. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. it, reflection is such a huge part. And if you don't take the time to do that reflection, like I just, I, I don't want to say you're doomed, but you're doomed. No. Well, it is kind of you're doomed because like the first time I was introduced to reflection in like my personal life was when I was in therapy and I was taught the concept of circle thinking where you know how you're going along and you're all happy and then all of a sudden your mood drops and you're completely like the world is awful. Everybody hates me. Like maybe that's just me. But there was something in there that my therapist told me. She's like, something triggered you and whatever happened triggered a thought which then triggered your emotion which then triggered your reaction to Mm -hmm. it and for you to really gain control of that you need to reflect on that situation go back and figure out how were you triggered and what were you thinking when that thing happened and I, I remember using it with my kids and when I was so happy and then I went like down in the dumps and it was, it was come back to one thing that my child said to me and I can't remember it right now, but it was something that like, it was like, oh, you didn't play with me this morning and that you didn't play with me this morning. That trigger triggered in me the emotion that I'm a horrible mom. I'm a horrible mom. And then when I thought I'm a horrible mom, it was like, oh, like. I went down in the dump. So reflection is so great. And reflection then led into my, the third R, regulation. And regulation, huge as well. Like if you can't, you've got to be able to bring yourself in, calm down. Nobody wants to be in that unregulated state. So let's just like say that for starters. Like none of us want to feel Mm -hmm. out of control, upset. It's not fun. You talked about it yesterday in a Joe with Joe that we do in our balance community about how like feeling your blood pressure going up and your head feeling like it's on yeah. fire and throbbing like it, yeah yeah like with me you feel like you're on fire I definitely feel it for sure and like as Aliza said that is a step by step process that you really have to go through because regulation is a tricky one yeah. it is so so tricky to get a hold of and the fourth R in there was rules and. Rules. Yes. So wait, what was up with that? <laughs> I forgot oh, it. I, maybe. <laughs> I was hoping. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. All right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's rules because, and I love how she said rules because when she said rules, all the time I'm hearing it, I'm hearing like boundaries. But boundaries, boundaries with the yes. B, not with the R. So you know, you had to go with the right stuff. But rules are still like. And I, and I think that's a tricky one, too, for a lot of parents is that a, a lot of times it's seen as if you're not hard and fast and so stern and so, you know, authoritarian that like you just you're not doing rules right. And it's that's not the case. Like there, that's just not how that works. It's not rules like don't come in the house with your shoes on kind of rules. It's the personal boundaries and stuff that you set for yourself that really make you a happy and adjusted individual. And we go in a lot in the conversation with Elisa about these rules and boundaries. I think they're like such a changing point, such a changing point. And it goes into the fifth part, repair, which is the most Mm. important of all. I love repair because we all screw up. (laughs) 
and we all have to fix it sometimes. And and when I say what, that we have to fix it, I don't mean be a fixer. Please, mom, hear me on that. All the moms out there, because yeah. like, we hear that and we think it's our job to fix everything. Like, oh, there is a, a mishap between my husband and my kids or between my my son and his best friend. I have to fix it. No, 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 no. For me, the easiest fix is, is a common one in our house, which is where Brie gets dysregulated, she gets worked up, and then I, I yell or I get real snippy. And half of the time, it's not even related to my kids. It's something totally else. I just, but I need to repair. And it's also, I think the strongest relationships come when you have a conflict or disagreement and then you're able to repair because it allows you to have more confidence in the relationship. Like you and I have had some disagreements, but like because of those disagreements and because of our repair, I feel confident in our relationship. And I don't feel like I'm like stepping around on eggshells or anything, which is like, like necessary to have like strong connections with yep. people. Yep. You've got to be able to navigate it because nothing's perfect. Like she had such great tips in this episode. We hope you enjoyed. And please go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you. And remember, the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.